0: they were able to get me a prototype of the Hydrogen phone. So I was just like, let's shoot this short that I had written on the phone. And that sort of started my whole sort of adventure with shooting on the phone.
1: Welcome to the ninth episode of the mobile storytelling podcast with me Bjorn Staschen in Hamburg and me Wietse Vellenga in Friesland in the Netherlands. This podcast is about how to tell a story with your smartphone. And today we have a great guest who has told impressive stories not only but also with her phone. It's Sally-Ann Massimini. Welcome Sally.
0: Hi everybody thanks for having me.
2: You have a Produced some breathtaking films, commercials, documentary sal. Um, some of them got great uh, awards, but it's not where you came from. You're not a filmmaker in f- school wise. You've been to Maryland Institute College of Art with an emphasis on painting and drawing. How did that happen?
0: So, my whole life, uh, I was a painter, like traditionalist painter, portraits, landscapes. Story. It's funny, though. Storytelling was always a part of everything that I did. My sister and I, we have all of these books that we found from when we were six years old that are our own little illustrated and, and written by with our own little publishing company logo that we made and a stamp and everything. So storytelling, it goes way back. But yeah, it was painting. I was going the full painting route. I went to the Maryland Institute College of Art and I got my bachelor's in fine arts. And it wasn't until my senior year in college there that I took some visual effects classes. And so then I was like, wait a second, I do love this. I had worked in galleries and sort of, you know, gone down that route and it still wasn't fulfilling everything that I needed to be fulfilled. So I took the visual effects class. I loved it. And then I decided I moved to California, where then I went to the Noman School of uh, Visual Effects and took another sort of year and a half specifically just in visual effects. And so I sort of loved the ability to work with, I sort of love the tech background, as well as just the format of, you know, being so creative. And then you, suddenly it's like you're working with sound and music and just all of these different um all of these different things go into, you know, filmmaking. And from there I started working as a visual effects artist on commercials in uh in Los Angeles. And I just then worked my way up commercials, television series, movies, you name it. And from a visual effects artist, I specifically was a texture painter and a matte painter. And then I was a shader lighter. CG supervisor, visual effects supervisor. Then I ended up working on set, which I love because every sort of step that I took, it opened up the realm of storytelling even more. I was like, wait a second. I love working with the writers in the writer's room and I love working with the directors and the showrunner and just figuring out how to tell this story visually. And it's always sort of a a picture is a thousand words. And so it just all everything harkened back to my whole upbringing with painting and drawing and yeah i just went from there and then i started directing a second unit for several television shows and most recently it was second unit for American Gods season 3 on stars and i was a producer on that as well and in the interim i was I was also filming shorts, which included some shorts on my phone because I was there was some there was a couple of different opportunities. So the first short that I shot on my phone was called N.I., and it was with Georgia Wingham from The Punisher. uh, You would most likely know her from and she was also in 13 Reasons Why. And for that, I have several friends who work at Red uh the If you know cameras there's uh, red is one of the the most prolific red camera makers the red camera co- companies out there and so they had they were able to get me a prototype of the hydrogen phone, so I was just like let's shoot this short that I had written on the phone and that sort of started my whole sort of adventure with shooting on the phone
2: yeah because uh, of, of course we're very interested in in that part of the story We'll get to that, but first let's take a step back and um, I remember when we met at Mojo Fest last year, the conference on uh, storytelling with mobile phones. Is that you said every frame is a painting? Is that where your painting background still fits in your? Uh, work from today?
0: Very much so. And, and ultimately, I know a lot of people get wrapped up in, you know, what camera do I use, but I've only got a phone, or I only have this camera, etc. And ultimately, it all boils down to story. And, you know, depending on how you shoot, there's 1000s of frames. it's like every second that you watch is, you know, 30, 30 frames, 23 frames per second. And so for that is it it's a direct relation to my painting background, you look at that frame, how is the composition telling the story how is the color affecting the sort of your emotions of it what is the performance from the actor right then and there if there obviously you can't hear music at that point uh, if you're just looking at the still frame but it's and and it, at that point composition you know color none of that really matters like what you shoot with it's just it's just you know that just boils down to the basic traditional rules of art that we've been following for you know hundreds of years.
1: Give us an example of your kind of perfect frame, and how do you decide on on when to shoot, on when to start filming? Doesn't everyone get really nervous on a shoot with you because it takes you so long if if every f- f- frame is a painting?
0: Well, the funny thing is sometimes when shooting like the some of the best things that we shoot are at the very, very end when we're all in such a hurry to sort of like just get the final shots in that you don't really have that much time to think or or over process something and it becomes a bit more instinctual and you just know, you're like, all right, move it to the right. Okay, let's just, and I'm very, very hands-on. So that'll be interesting filming again, you know, on sets with, you know, me moving things around, but I'll just like run out, move something, adjust something and and we'll be like, okay, we have no time, let's shoot it. Um, And then- But
1: that kind of contradicts the idea of every frame is a painting, doesn't it?
0: Well, that's what I'm saying is you're sort of in a rush but but there's these moments when you're in a rush that you tap into your instinct so you don't you like you're able to make decisions much faster because you're not thinking too hard about it and maybe that comes from for an example an example would be a pianist plays scales over and over and over again. So when you get to a, a song, it's just there's a part that just comes instinctually because you have all of that repetitive background like instilled in you from those years of playing those scales, you can get through those sections because your fingers just kind of know what to do. And for me, because I was a painter, since I was you know, like, I was, I was the kid who always had a sketch pad with me, never, went anywhere without and my fingers were covered in in ink and pencil and paint for like my entire life growing up and so it's always yeah I think part of that comes into play is just you don't because I did it so much as a kid it's not something that I think about it's something that it's a feeling it's like you know when it feels right and you know you can break it down afterwards and explain it and you know sort of figure out in hindsight but really it's just from that the years it's like i studied art in italy um i yeah everything from caravaggio and rembrandt to monet to you know mark rothko all the artists go down and and they were big influences for me but is there ever
2: time on a set to take the same amount of time to really look at a shot the way you would when you make a painting?
0: Yes, very much so. So something that I do, and, and what I did for my own personal projects, the like the shorts that I've done, and and a lot of the commercials is I will go through and I'll storyboard everything. And I'll do all of my own storyboards. I'll take, if I've got the the ability to go to the location beforehand with my phone. I'll sit there and I'll just start to take photos and start to piece down what are the shots that I want? What are, what are the lenses? And I'll draw out every single shot and then I'll do shot lists. I tend to be very organized and I think part of that comes from my visual effects background. Um, Cause it's like you make one adjustment on set next thing you know is the shot is gonna cost like $50,000 extra. So everything has to be prepped and so that's where it's it is this sort of fun contradiction where on one hand i'm It's it's like better to be over prepared than to be prepared. So it's like I'll always have way more things than I know I need to have for the shoot. And to, you know, just it's like backup plans and, you know, it's like, and things change. Things always go wrong. There's always something that happens if it's minus 40 and your lens are breaking. And, and, you know, it's like who knows what's going to happen. So you got to sort of be flexible with that too.
1: I understand planning a frame when it's fiction. But how do you cope with reality when you shoot a documentary, if you have such high expectations on on one frame, on one picture, one story?
0: That's a great question. So there's sort of two things that I could say to that. One is, is that's another thing where you're sort of in the moment. And I don't know if you do, um, like I do a lot of uh, sports like skiing and surfing and mountain biking and stuff and there's these moments where you are so completely focused on that moment of sort of you know mountain biking or skiing through those trees that you just can't think about anything else and just things sort of happen and so i think when it comes to the documentary style filmmaking that's one of the things that that happens is you're not thinking about anything else you're just in the moment and you really you're just searching on the fly for those those beautiful for the magic to happen really. And uh, but it's funny, it was there was this little short that I did working with uh, Cassius Rayner, who's a
1: a project that was focusing on the recent Corona pandemic, right?
0: Exactly. So he's got some beautiful, beautiful footage from London. Uh, You should definitely check it out. But uh, I did Toronto, the streets of Toronto. And there was a moment where I was sort of hanging out of the back of the car and I was so focused on what I was shooting that I didn't realize there was a cop car that had pulled us over (laughs) and was stopped behind us with the lights going (laughs) and the cops are getting out. Everybody in the car, they were like, what are you doing? They're like, we've stopped and there's a cop car and you're so focused on the shot that you haven't even realized that. So there's that that happens. And another thing that I do tend to do. I know, you know, I've heard, you know, like David Fincher does it, but you'll, we'll shoot over scan. So you shoot larger than your sort of 1920 by 1080 format. And then that allows you the flexibilities to sort of reframe and punch in and adjust your composition in post. So, and there are so many things, you know, depending if you're shooting with the phone, I know with Filmic, the, there's the Filmic app that allows you to shoot with a greater, um, dynamic range as far as your your footage your color and if you shoot raw with uh you know other cameras you can as far as levels and lighting and color grading you can do so much in post that that's post is sort of like a home uh, home for me so that's where I spend a lot of time as well
2: but when do you decide to shoot on a phone instead of a big camera what is the Uh, main goal that you get from shooting with a phone
0: so it's a good question there's a couple there's pluses and minuses to both situations for me I love the accessibility of a phone the phone is the thing that you've got in 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 your pocket all day or attached to your hand and a lot of cinematographers say the best camera is the one that's in your hand so that's how you get those special moments and I've been on sets where we've got tons of cameras laid out we're shooting a shot and then the dp comes over to me and he's got his phone and he shows me he's like i ran up the stairs and i shot the shot with my phone do you think this will work what do you know we put it into the cut for the commercial nobody it was a short shot because you know it was just as far as resolution and it aired like it was more about the the um iso but it worked and nobody knew the difference so that's where the phone for accessibility, um, as far as making the actual decision, it's just, it so depends on the project. If I'm trying to be more discreet, for instance, like shooting the streets of COVID, you know, if I'm not hanging out of the back of the car, nobody really would have really known what I was doing because you could just be quiet with the little gimbal and you go and you shoot and it was it's wonderful. Or I find when I'm filming um, children, There was a commercial that I did that we made the decision to go smaller profile as far as cameras, because they would be less intimidated by the the bigger cameras. Um, So that definitely is a plus than using more traditional cameras, the like Alexas, for instance, that happens a bit more on the bigger the television and film productions, where you've got the crew, you have the time and the money to sort of really sit down and figure out, okay, what are these shots? And it, it comes down to time and money.
1: You were on the jury for Filmic Pro's annual contest, so you've seen quite some footage. Is there stuff where you would say, this you could never do with professional gear if that is a distinctive description
0: um i would say never say never but from my own experience with shooting with the phones one thing that i do like is the sort of instant creative flexibility so you're like oh my gosh let me go try a shot over here and you're like like scrunched in a corner lying on your back getting this cool angle where if you had a much bigger camera setup it's like okay what are we going to do we're going to like saw out a section of the wall to figure out how to get the camera in there so again it comes down to time and money so it's like I won't never, never say never but there are definitely some really cool shots that you can get with your phone that are much easier than with a big camera setup
1: would you say you are more at ease with one or the other do you feel more like yourself when you shoot with one or the other? Do you feel closer to your subject?
0: I think they're they're like different moods for me, I guess you could say. One is, you know, it's, it's your phone. You know, everybody knows their phone. It feels, think of, a, in a way, sometimes the phone feels a bit more like a sketchbook to me. And that's where it's interesting, too. I love looking at artists' sketchbooks. You look at, like, Jackson Pollock's sketchbooks, and a lot of times what happens is the drawings in a sketchbook, because it's not really so open to the public and it's under scrutiny, you'll see these sort of, like, that's where you'll see a little bit more experimentation, and you'll see, like, the sort of the beginnings of what's to come 10 years down the road, as far as, you know, if you break down individual artists and their sketchbooks. So I feel like the phone, in a way, is is that sort of outlet, when, when you are going to shoot, if, if it's not something that you're prepared to, you know, send out to the world, and you're sort of shooting by yourself, it just it gives you that, that ability to experiment and to be yourself in a way.
2: And you shot with a phone that caused a lot of buzz when it came out the red hydrogen one i believe it was very much hyped in the the mojo world where where we uh, tend to be a lot the mobile journalism world but um it kind of fell away what happened there
0: i don't know all of the details i know from what I know is that they Red, just made, Red decided that they wanted to mo- focus more on the actual cameras, like the film cameras and, you know, like what Red does. Um, How was working with it for you? Was it good to work with it? It was fun to work with. It was interesting because I had prototypes before the actual build was released. Um, so, and I tend to like to experiment and be the (coughs) guinea pigs for trying new things out. So I was just like, yeah, let's try it. And so there were, you know, we we got filmic on there. I was very excited to do that, to get that up and working. And then we were just trying to figure out, you know, there was a lot of little things. um, You know, it's just all experimentation. It, It was fun to shoot with, to try something new. And would I shoot with it again? It all depends on what the project is.
2: But was it was it really a red camera in your hand with that phone, or was it a completely different uh, experience?
0: It felt like a different experience. That's a good question. It didn't like I didn't feel like I was shooting with you know a, a monstro or helium like an actual red camera. Um, it felt like a definite upgrade compared to the phones at the time for for what I was shooting with, and as far as some of the the functionality and 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 ended for that sh- for that short I definitely pushed things like the the low light for instance that short we only had we only lit the the entire set with the light from the phone that the actress was carrying so talking about experimentation we really kind of pushed that to the limit um as far as you know just like iso and noise and grain so we we did embrace the grain that was there in the picture and sort of went with that and took that as you know one of the sort of the characteristics of the piece um but yeah it was better than the phones that were out at the time but it did not feel like actually shooting with a full format like a a big a big camera
2: yeah because there are several uh, uh phone builders that really seem to aim for a more Uh, cinematography look in their camera apps, like the new Sony phones, the new LG V series, they are really pushing for um, filmmakers to use their phones. Um, do, Do you believe that that's the future camera wise?
0: I think it'll take a while. To be perfectly honest, I think that there's a huge increase in the amount of mobile filming filmmaking, which is awesome. And for like even the covid piece that I shot, that was that was with my iPhone. Um, and I think as far as do- photojournalism, documentary work, it's it's like leaps and bounds. It gives us so much more to work with in that respect, as far as your big picture film. Like, I think it's interesting. Actually, I'm thinking about my answer for that because of COVID as well. And as far as social distancing and people needing to stay far away, I'll be curious to see how that evolves. Um, but it's just the film industry has been around for, you know, since for a long time. So it's, it's going to take a while for, for that train to go away.
1: Did you, when you work with it, did you make a phone call with the, with the Hydrogen One?
0: Did we make phone calls? Yes, we did. Actually, we had from one of the phones to the other, we had our uh, one of the actors calling on the phone so she actually had the phone call going in, in real time.
1: Because some people say it might have been a good camera, but it was a shit phone. And maybe, you know, maybe both need to go together in order to give it the advantage of a smartphone or of mobile storytelling. Because... You said, we have it in the pocket, not because it is a camera. We have it in the pocket because it is a phone. Some say the hydrogen one was just a good camera, but not a good phone. Maybe it needs both to work.
0: Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know where they're at as far as development with with that, if that's sort of just on the back burner now. Um, yeah, I'd have to ask around to get you more information there. But, you no, know, that's a good point. <laughs>
1: You know these people, don't you? Because you work in a company called Master Cinematographers, dedicated to creating technological innovations that both speed and ease the art of cinematography and photography, the website tells us, and one of the co-founders is Jared Land, president of Red.
0: You are absolutely correct. <laughs> I so do have my I do have some inside connections that I can, <laughs> I could ask around. Cuz
2: how innovative is Uh, the film world I I mean I always get the feeling that it's a very big world that moves very slowly in a different direction but doesn't make sudden movements
0: that's kind of the feeling yes (laughs) yeah
2: we say the same thing about journalism it's hard to change ways uh, of how we do stuff in journalism but I, I got the feeling that the film world's also very stuck in the way they do things Am I correct?
0: You're correct. It's pretty. And you get a lot of, you know, especially if you're dealing with large crews. And and again, it's time and money. And to have the ability to experiment and try something new is... It really depends on the film or the project you're on, the culture of the crew. If you've got, you know, camera guys are just, you know, and if you've got, if you're if the crew that you're working with are just, if they're very used to what they've been doing, you know, it'll be harder to get everybody to, to shift. But if, you know, and I love, I love the, always the crews that I work with. It's like every person, it's like you're as strong as your weakest link and, you know, they do so much. And it makes such a big difference when everybody is working together and everybody's excited about what you're shooting. So that also helps the train move a little bit faster. Is if you know it's like passion is contagious, and if everybody feels the passion and is excited about something, it helps tremendously. Nobody wants to work for you know the somebody who's <coughs> bummed out.
2: <laughs> and and how is uh, stuff like the Steven Soderbergh movie that was shot on an iPhone? How, how is that viewed?
0: So that's interesting. It's like it's kind of polarizing. I I enjoyed it. I'm a big Soderbergh fan. I love the fact that he is pretty. He is definitely one to go out and try new things and experiment. I really, really respect that. And and I did enjoy the movie. I thought that it was entertaining. And again, it brings you down to um, uh, he had these really graphic compositions that were great. And it comes down to acting and performance and storytelling. And as far as like pushing the movie forward, so you know, I could tell there were some some things with the 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 low light levels that he was dealing with. Um, And so that's where some people just use that as a jumping spot to just be like, oh, yeah, see, phones aren't anywhere near real cameras yet. But I love the fact that he's going out and doing it.
1: So you're in the middle of everything. You're shooting with the big cameras. You're developing with the big boys, by the way, quite a male profession, the film industry, I guess. But you're also using the phone to tell stories you know what is your your next project? What are you looking at now? Is your equipment getting bigger or smaller?
0: I do not know yet. I've I've actually got two in that I'm working on right now that are in development. For one is Um, One is a a feature script that I've written that I'm about to go out with my manager for. And then the other one is a series. It would be a television series that we would be filming in Ireland. So I'll be working on writing the pilot for that over the next uh, six to eight weeks. So when I do those, so for instance, when I write, I don't write thinking about what am I going to shoot it with. I just write for the story and then I'll figure that out later. You
1: know, which, which is a nice uh, reconnection to the beginning of our talk. It is the story that matters. You need a good story before you start shooting.
0: Exactly. For me, it's like if you, if you when you go to see a movie, when you watch a movie, at least for me, I don't remember so much, you know, a lot of the little details of the movie. But the thing I remember is, did I cry? Did I laugh? Did I fall in love with the characters? And that's the thing that I, I remember how I feel. I remember the emotion. I remember how I felt after years afterwards. i would be like, oh, my God, I cried so hard in that movie theater. I, I can't go to movie theaters anymore because I cry too much. <laughs> um, An-
1: unless it doesn't make you cry or... It doesn't touch you emotionally. Then you start thinking about the technology behind it. Why a shot is bad. If the story is perfect, you don't think about that. That's true.
0: We always joke there's, there's you know, for instance, we're, we're filming something and we start to get all paranoid about something in the background. And then it's like, okay, well, if you're paying attention to that, you're not looking at the actress who's like having this huge, you know, emotional moment on screen. That means we've failed.
1: <laughs> Great cell. Thank you. I think we've reached the end of our little podcast, haven't we, Vize? Yeah, I think so. Thank
2: you very much for sharing uh, with us your s- uh, story, your behind the scenes from a world uh, that we haven't ventured into much so far, the world of filmmaking. So thank you. Uh, this was the ninth episode of our mobile storytelling podcast
1: with me, Wietze Verlager in Frischland. And me, Björn Staschen in Hamburg, Germany. If you like what you hear, please share our podcast. You can find us on all major platforms. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: Bye.